Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of We're Spinning Plates. I'm Kira and I'm Em. And today's episode I think is going to be a good one. It's oh, a little yeah. bit different, a little bit different to what we usually talk about, but we are both absolutely filled to the brim with excitement about <laughs> the topic of the week. But before we jump into that, shall we kick it off with our usual weekly roundup? Me? Me first? <laughs> you first. <laughs> My week has been a good week. I feel like last week you were feeling very festive and I was not feeling as festive, but this week the festivities have well and truly kicked in. I've just been into York City Centre and on the way back I picked up, there's like this really, really nice hot chocolate place and it did a dark chocolate peppermint hot chocolate. Literally, it was was Christmas in a mug. And I've also just, I'm just about to eat a mince pie as well, which brings up a conversation that I've really, I've really wanted to ask you. I wanted to text you and ask your opinion on this. It's controversial, (laughs) but I was like, no, I'm going to save it for the podcast. Do you think mince pies with icing or no icing are better? Because it's so controversial. I didn't know that until this week. I would say definitely icing. If you can get icing, why would you not want to put icing on something? See, that's my motto, the sweeter the better. But when (laughs) I was telling my friends I was having a nice mince pie, they were very against it. So yeah, mince pie gate has been a feature in my week. I just feel like, let's be, it's, it's just... It is controversial, but also <laughs> I just don't see that it is, right? Mince pies in general are controversial, but I think if you are already on team mince pie and you know that you <laughs> like them, I don't know why you wouldn't want to add something extra into the mix because you still get the pastry, you still yeah. get the mince pie, and then you add something extra, so you're not losing anything. Exactly. You're only gaining a taste the joy of icing. <laughs> Until last year, I was a mince pie baby. I actually thought, I actually thought it was me. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> I was like, I don't understand why everyone wants like a mince pie. Like that's disgusting. Why why are people eating these cold and then it clicks? Yeah. I do feel that maybe it should be renamed. Yeah, maybe. Something was like, lost um, in translation when they named mince pie mince it pie. It really is like a spiced fruit tart or a spiced <laughs> oh, fruit <good> tart. <laughs> a spiced, spiced fruit tart. <laughs> <laughs> a spicy fruit pie or something like that, but yeah. like doesn't have the same mince. ring to it, does it? I'm just gonna sit well, down no. with a cup of tea and a spicy fruit pie. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like my, a bit of Yorkshire came out then from me living <laughs> here so yeah. long. Um, but aside from mince pie gate, it's just been a festive week. I've been doing a lot of things with my new housemates, which is really really nice. And I'm currently on a mission for a writing deadline. <laughs> which has kind of taken over my life. I have 30,000 words to edit before midnight tonight. (laughs) Oh my God, good luck to you. (laughs) So, yeah, that's happening. Uh, But yeah, it's just been a really festive and cosy week. How's yours been? Pretty good as well, still keeping up with the festivities. We have had quite a productive week, actually. I say we, I'm talking about me and Jay, mostly (laughs) just because we both wrapped all of our presents that we've bought people so far. So there was a big pile of boxes and bags and it was just so cluttered. And it's still cluttered, but now that they're wrapped in festive wrapping paper, the clutter seems yeah, a bit like less offensive. Clutter. Exactly. It just feels a lot nicer and hor- like way less horrible to look at. So <laughs> You almost <laughs> said, it looks nicer and horribler. <laughs> <laughs> I got confused. Way less horrible to look at. But um, absolutely happy to have done that. Still have to do a little bit of Christmas shopping, but I'm feeling like quite accomplished with what we've done so far. I finished watching The Crown. Um, so this is the last time you'll have to hear me talk about this in a podcast episode. <laughs> um, yeah, I finished season four of The Crown and I'm now kind of stuck. I've been scouring Netflix and other areas of the internet for something good to watch that will like fill the hole that The Crown has left, but I'm yet to find anything that's as good and as binge-worthy. So if anyone has any recommendations, please let me know at the earliest possible opportunity. <laughs> um, and yeah, I feel like that's mostly been my week, Christmas, The Crown, and... Um, now I want a mince pie, thanks to you. Yeah, with icing on. Yes, definitely. And we also did a book swap this week. We actually yes. did a book swap where we sent a mystery book to each other's house and we featured those in reading vlogs this week because if you're new to this podcast, me and Kira both have YouTube channels where we talk a lot about books and we did a vlog this week mm-hmm. where we trialled each other's mystery book. So what did you think of the book that I sent you? So you sent me Writers and Lovers by Lily King and I really, really liked it. I knew almost from the moment that I mm-hmm. unboxed 
opposite, that it was going to be a book for me because it just seemed like literary fiction, which I love. And there was just something about it. It was one of those books that just gave off a good vibe. And yeah, thankfully, 100%. it just followed through with it. And it's interesting because it's a book that I feel like doesn't have a huge amount of plot. Not a huge amount happens. It's very much like character driven. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I'm going to try and briefly synopsisize it. Synopsisize um, it. <laughs> Before you do that, I'm just going to interject and say that this is my favourite book of 2020. And I, and knew, I knew you were going to appreciate it. It surprised you. Yeah, not like that I basically I don't know I kind of look at like literary fiction in the same category as things like normal people and Eleanor Oliphant Mm -hmm. and those are books that you haven't been like obsessed with like you've not not liked conversations with friends is in my top 10 that's true that's true I feel like it has it has that like melancholy character study vibe yeah but anyway I guess this one yeah yeah so I was gonna give some spoilers but I won't not a spoiler but it kind of explains what the book's about essentially we have our main character Casey who is dealing with quite a few difficult issues. She has recently lost her mum. She's come out of quite a fast but intense relationship with a guy that she's still kind of invested in. She's got a not so great job. She is a writer and she's trying to write her first novel, but that's not going so well. And basically everything isn't exactly as good as it could be for her. And then she meets two guys. One is Silas, he's like a similar age to her, also a writer, and he's kind of like a little bit chaotic, has similar energy to her. And then she also meets Oscar, another writer who is quite a bit older than her, is a widow and has two young children, and they're both really interested in her. And she kind of has this love triangle thing going on where she has to figure out what direction she wants her life to go in. That was a good synopsis. Thank you. I practiced it over the weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Mine would not have been that neat. Um, But no, I I did think it was a really interesting book because it was just like, yeah, like you said, it had a melancholy vibe. It felt authentic in its chaos. Like it felt like it was just an insight into someone's life. It was mundane, but in a way that's interesting and easy to get invested in because it did feel really real and authentic. And I also just felt like it was intriguing to see like the two parts of Casey's personality that would lead her to be invested in either one of the two men because they were both so different. And yet one thing that was interesting was the fact that they were all linked by an experience of grief, which I thought was... That's my favourite. That's why I connected so much with it, I think. I read the book when I was processing grief myself in my own life. And I was... When I finished that book, I was... Sobbed more than I think I've ever sobbed at a book. Yeah. I think it was so interesting because it kind of explored the reality of, like... um, I guess, like, manifestation in an unconscious way where, like, the things that you're experiencing and what's going on for you will show up in various areas. And it kind of shows that because she was dealing with something so difficult, that was kind of the experiences that she attracted from other people because she Mm. sort of, on a subconscious level, needed someone who could relate to and empathise with the difficult struggle that she was going through so that was really interesting and I also really liked the discussion of writing as a topic which I was going to say is another reason why I think you probably liked it because she's also obviously a writer she's surrounded by authors in the book and writing the process of writing the struggle of getting your book out into the world after you finish the difficult process of actually creating it it was just so interesting to read about especially as someone who is not a writer but is a reader I think writing um as if you create a writer in a book as a trope I think it can be it can go one of two ways I think a lot of people are put off when they hear that a book is about a writer but I thought it was done so well in that one uh I think that's another reason as you say like why I connected to it it had discussions of grief it had um, a waitress and I was waitressing at the time yeah. oh I just finished waitressing when I read this it had the writing it had the mess of a love life like it had everything for me it ticked all the boxes <laughs> it was just really really good if you enjoy character studies at all then I'd recommend this book mm-hmm. just because it's one of those books where not much needs to happen and yet you are just so invested in the characters so yeah. I really really enjoyed it it was a great pick so shall we move on to the book that I sent you but before you say what it was I will just like to point out to anyone listening how difficult it is to pick a book for M. She's read literally everything. She also doesn't like classics, which I do, so that kind of like knocks out quite a few of the books that I might recommend to other people. And I'm looking at my shelves and just thinking about how so many of the books have come on recommendation from you and I'm like I cannot send this to her because she recommended it to me so I was left with not a huge amount of choice but I was personally quite pleased with the book that I eventually decided to send. Yeah what I liked about the book that you sent I'm not going to say what it is until I sent this (laughs) bit the suspense is really building (laughs) is that it was a book that was published in 2002 and I think 
as a reader and as a content creator, I constantly try and keep on top of new releases. And I, mm-hmm. I think a lot of books that are published in previous years, just I completely miss. So the fact that I was reading something that was published a long time ago, well, 18, 18 years ago, oh my God. Oh, that blew my mind. Um, was really, really nice like to go back and revisit something that I probably yeah. wouldn't have picked up otherwise. So the book that Kira sent me was The Lovely Bones by Alice... Is it Seabold? Alice Seabold? Alice Seabold? Seabold. I, yeah, I go Seabold, but yeah. it's one of those names that's difficult to know. Yeah, I, I went the same as you. And if you <laughs> haven't heard of it, it was a film. And I had seen the film when it came out like years and years, but I've never same. read the book. And... The book, I actually still, after reading the book, don't know what genre I'd put it into, but it is basically written from the perspective of Susie Salmon, who is a 14-year-old girl that gets murdered and sexually assaulted by her, ne- her next-door neighbour. Is it her next-door? Yeah, her next-door neighbour. Yeah. Um, and the whole book is written pretty much after the murder takes place. It definitely is quite graphic, so I'm just going to mention that there, that if you are wary of those topics, it is quite graphic. Mm. But it takes place after the murder, and she is in heaven, and she is looking down on the aftermath of the murder, and how her family react, and how it changes everyone in her family, and also the town, and all the people that she's left behind, at the same time as she's kind of grieving the life that she could have had through watching other people and it also has that element of will mr harvey get caught the next door neighbor so i don't yeah. i don't actually know what genre i would put this into i think it's one of those books that intersects a lot of different genres because obviously it's about a murder and there is kind of like yeah. a thrillery kind of overtone or undertone basically overhanging over the entire book because there is that like mystery about whether or not he's going to get caught and of course the very beginning of the book which I'd say is the most graphic bit because yeah, that's definitely. where the murder takes place is very thrillery but then it's also kind of like contemplative or speculative fiction in the yeah. sense that it kind of like bridges sci-fi and the paranormal because she's in the afterlife and is still kind of looking back and then I think it could just generally be like contemporary as well so it kind of like bridges that that gap between loads of different genres yeah I really enjoyed it it's not something as I say that I would have picked up and I think that Mm. was what was great about it whenever you recommend books to me or send books to me it's often that case and then I end up really enjoying it I think it was a really it was a really sad read because obviously Mm -hmm. you've got a 14 year old girl looking down and because she had an older sister a younger sister in the younger book sister, yeah. but the younger sister overtakes her in age as the younger sister grows up I think that was a really sad thing to read about and that sister bond where one of them is in heaven looking down and like watching over her family I just thought it was really really moving um I didn't I just hated the murderer obviously <laughs> I mean, yeah. something a little bit wrong with me if I connected with the murderer but yeah it was a really intense reading experience. I planned mm. to read it over a course of a couple of days, but it did take me a week because I couldn't read it. I couldn't have read that all in one go no, uh, because it's it is much. a very <laughs> intense topic, but it's just so interesting. I think any book that explores how one event can shape a family and change a family and affect each family member in different ways um, yeah. and how when you're gone or when someone is taken away from a town, especially in such a graphic way, an unfair way, how their mark is left behind and how they don't they're never really gone because they're always present in other people and in the memory of that other people have does that make any sense am i rambling no i do 100 know what you mean and it's kind of like when you mentioned about the sister bond and stuff her sister is very much affected by the murder and death of her sister which obviously would be expected but she is the character i think that you see it almost the most in because they were so close in age that like it's almost impossible to not compare them and to see like them two as basically as two parallels and so not only is Susie kind of looking down and thinking about everything that she missed Mm. as a young girl who didn't get the chance to grow up but also her sister will be thinking about all of the things that she is doing that her sister sister should have done first and like it's just a really like poignant comparison but it is really really sad um I'm a sucker for a sister bond like it's something mm-hmm. I write consistently in my books and it's something I look for in other books. I just love reading about sisters and this was such a unique way. In fact, this was such a unique book. How many books do you read where it's someone looking down in heaven? Yeah, on... and it's done so well. Yeah. Like, it doesn't feel paranormal no, at all. No. It feels really 
I've used the word authentic so many times already <laughs> in this podcast, but I'm going to say it again. It feels really authentic and it just is so unique and nothing upsets me more than the fact that this is the only book that this author has written. Is it? Did mm-hmm. not know that. I think the thing, yeah. the the bit that made me like most emotional <laughs> was the bit where her dog died and she was reunited with the dog in heaven. <laughs> I was gone. I was absolutely gone at that bit. I think the bit that actually like stuck with me the most, and it's been a long time since I last read this, at least like three years or so, um, was the bit where you kind of encounter all of the other girls that were affected by the murderer. That was consistently in both the book and the movie version, a part of it the story that kind of was a really sad connection that Susie got to have with other girls and it was like a bonding thing that shouldn't have been like it's sort of like a really sad connection for people to be able to relate on that fact and I just remember being really like chilled by that yeah it definitely had a lot of scenarios where you kind of got goosebumps and that was one of them but I really enjoyed it and I'm really thankful that you sent it over to me so the book swap was I would say a success a big success big success (laughs) (laughs) so that took up a large part of our week and that was our weekly roundup so now it's time to move on to the main topic of the week which I know we're very excited for Okay, so jumping into our main topic of the week, this week's topic is a little bit different and it wasn't something that we were planning on until midway through the week, really, but fate had us in its mind and something exciting happened this week. I'm going to hand over to you, Em, to announce it because I feel it's only right for you to say this. So this week, the middle of the week, Taylor Swift released another new album. This is the second album of 2020. I was on FaceTime to my sister when she announced this on Instagram. (laughs) And my sister was like, I don't think I've ever seen you that excited. It was excitement on another level. And it was so unexpected because how could we have known after... Uh, like surprise album drop mid-year to then get another one at the end of the year it was literally and I said this in my vlog about this Christmas came early literally like she announced it and it was if it was Christmas Eve and then the next day Christmas morning got to sit down in front of the Christmas tree and open the best present ever which was a new Taylor Swift album so I had a great time I can't believe it's the second time in a year that I've got to wake up at like 6am and listen to a new album like in bed like just immersing myself in it it was glorious oh, I've seen a lot of conspiracy theories that there's going to be a thr- third I've I, yeah I've and seen do you know what well. like that would make sense like two is a bit of a weird number but three is a good number like a trilogy yeah exactly and it does feel like in general both Folklore which was obviously the first one earlier this year and then Evermore they kind of feel like um old movies almost like in their vibe I would say and so to have like a trilogy just kind of feels right although we might just be trying to convince ourselves because that's what we want (laughs) Taylor if you're listening (laughs) 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 and also what is even more glorious is that we've listened to is it 16 but then there's two more or is it 14 and then there's two more 15 I think on YouTube at least there were 16 in the playlist but the first song is on there twice because it has a music video version and Uh, then a lyric video version but the deluxe edition hasn't even been released yet so there's going to be two more songs which is just it's it's like the gift that keeps on giving so let's start off our evermore discussion our evermore deep dive by saying what did you think overall of evermore and do you prefer folklore or evermore Okay. Ooh, this is such a difficult one. Overall, I really, really liked it. I think there was just a really nice, whimsical vibe to this album. And in general, I would describe myself as someone who quite likes slow, calm, chilled out, acoustic-y type music. And so this album and Folklore both generally fit into that vibe. So I really, really liked them. And they are definitely my two favourite things that Taylor Swift has ever done. However, I think if I was, if it was push comes to shove, I think I'm going to have to say that I still prefer folklore because that was just such, such an experience. But equally, I've had time to grow and appreciate folklore. And like, not all of those songs were such hits for me immediately. And then they've kind of like grown on me as I've gotten to know it. So it's difficult to say whether that will be the case in a few weeks time. I might have come to appreciate Evermore even more. But Ooh. right now, <laughs> folklore is still winning. <laughs> oh, that's so interesting. I saw a tweet which really like struck a chord with me, which Ooh. said that like individually, folklore has some 
brilliant songs and like song wise some individual songs folklore for me i think just pips it but as an immersive listening experience where every song like mm-hmm. ties into each other and you listen to them like as an album the whole way through i think yeah. evermore might pip it for me so like the album evermore initial like individual, individual songs yeah. folklore that's that's my mm. opinion on it I do hear you, and I would also like to mention as well, the thing that I think, one my favourite part about Folklore was the um, Love Triangle collection yeah. of three songs where you've got Betty, August, and Cardigan. That was just, like, in my opinion, like, musical genius, and that will, like, forever be, like, just incredible. So I think the fact that Folklore contains that... yeah does kind of edge out a little bit for me but equally they are both so good that it's not like one is a clear winner over the other yeah I think they do tie in really well like I can see why she's released them together I saw that she when the you know at 5am in the UK when (laughs) it all came out and it all happened she did like a live chat and I saw that she was saying that these albums are probably the most creative like free the most creative freedom she's had because she wasn't writing songs to tour with and she wasn't thinking how will this relay on stage how will I perform this and I think that really comes through I think she's really flexed her storytelling abilities to the absolute max Uh, and I think you can tell I just think it's a really storytelling masterpiece like my favorite thing about music is is stories and I it's something that I have in my own life like I love writing stories so these two albums are just I think genius like you said absolutely yeah, genius literally genius and i think obviously folklore is a literary word is like kind of conveys yeah. that storytelling and then evermore also feels like the kind of word that would be used in like a fairy tale or something and i think that kind of conveys the literary whimsy that kind of comes through these songs and it, they do just really like you say show off her storytelling ability like it's not just music like they mm. are like really carefully constructed to convey like a story and an experience and it's so incredible so yeah loved it and then you can tell that she's relied on her love of storytelling as a coping mechanism throughout the pandemic which yeah is so amazing and I think it's really also amazing that she's released so much in a time where there really is I saw is it Halsey or Halsey how do you pronounce that Halsey Halsey and I saw that she tweeted that I mean in financially, this is probably the worst time to release music. A pandemic is, you know, you're not going to make as much from music. And the fact that she's releasing all of this stuff just shows that, like, it has been a coping mechanism for her. And she also knows that people need that kind of yeah. escapism right now. And it, it truly yeah, is that. Exactly. I think these albums are escapism. Like, you could just totally. plug yourself in and just be transported to this world of storytelling. And it's just magic. So now for the next question. Mm. Top five. Go from your fifth your first okay 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 i'm I'm excited to hear this oh it's so hard it's so hard okay fifth place i'm gonna give to tis the damn season oh good one this wasn't in fifth place to begin with this wasn't even this this kind of i bumped something else for this but having listened to it a few times it it made its way into into the top five (laughs) in fourth place we have willow right Another one that's kind of grown on me, and the top three have stayed the top three basically since the first listen. Okay. So number three is Champagne Problems. Yep. Number two is Evermore. Okay. And number one is what I think is probably one of the most genius creations ever made in the history of ever, Nobody No Crime. I loved it. Ooh, that's not what I thought you were going to say. We've got two matches. Oh, okay. Go, go, go. Yeah. So honourable mention time, because (laughs) my honourable mention is Marjorie, because I just think, I think the way that the first album, Folklore, had one song that was almost dedicated to her granddad, and then that this one has a song dedicated to her grandmother, I just think that's so emotional. I feel like those songs really came to me at a time when I needed them. And also, did you know that the backing vocals are actually Marjorie? So I actually heard that because of, um, I was watching a YouTube channel called Chats and Reacts, which is um, a YouTube like music reaction channel, but it came out or they first made the channel when Folklore was released. So there's a lot of Taylor Swift content on there. They did a reaction video listening to Evermore for the first time and they mentioned that. I hadn't realised it when I personally listened to it, but it is a really like nice thing because obviously her grandma was Was a singer as well so it's like it's super cool so I do agree that one deserves an honorable mention just because of like 
it wasn't my favorite song on there but like the beauty and meaning behind it i think yeah. is really lovely i think that's going to be a special song for like all the members of her family and i just love that she did yeah. that there's a line in that one i can't remember the exact line where it's something like i wish i'd kept like everything even the grocery store receipts because everything about you would get ripped away from me and i think that line or that you know that's not the exact line really sums up grief and like we were talking about uh, with writers and lovers i think trying to depict grief is a really hard thing to do and that song for me did it really well uh, so that's my honorable mention yeah. then in fifth place i've got happiness because uh, yeah. when i heard happiness i was lying in bed 6 30 a.m and it really really struck a nerve and i was like <laughs> do i like this or is it too real but yeah happiness fifth place fourth place willow so does yeah. that mean we've got the same fourth place yeah we've both yeah. put willow in fourth Third place, this one really leapt in there at the last moment, is Gold Rush. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Second place, Champagne Problems. Yes. And first place, which is ironic, really, because storytelling is what I love most, and this one, I think, is the one that I'm most unclear on what the story actually is, is, long story short, I just think that was an absolute bop. Oh, yeah, you did love that one. That was, like, the first one you told me you really liked. I was waiting for the kettle to boil, and I was having a right old dance before we started recording this. (laughs) love that okay so let's just like break down like shall we discuss like why okay the ones that we've picked are on our list okay you go first okay so and if we've got the the same i'll i'll we'll like yeah yeah that sounds good okay so tis the damn season i mean generally speaking i'm picking songs based on if i enjoy listening to them and this one i enjoyed it more and more but i also started to think about some parallels between this album and folklore and i started to notice whether or not there was like a potential for tis the damn season and illicit affairs to kind of be like connected songs because there's a particular quote where in illicit affairs she is talking about obviously like going around and not getting caught and there's like a quote where it says to take the road less traveled and then in tis the damn season they say um the road not taken looks real good now and i also saw someone else talking about like how they talk about meeting in parking lots and in tis the damn season she's talking about like parking between the church and the school and there's like a few parallels where i'm like wondering if this could be like um an earlier part of the relationship from illicit affairs like before it like goes south basically um oh see i thought tis the damn season might have been okay so in my head (laughs) gold rush dorothea champagne problems and tis the damn season are linked (laughs) like i think dorothea is obviously someone that was living in a small town and then Mm. decide like went off to become famous and like see more of the world she was engaged to this man yeah and uh obviously broke his heart when uh she didn't accept his proposal mm-hmm. gold rush comes into it because he's like looking on her now that she's a star and she's like i want you but i don't want you because everybody wants you and tis the same season is when she comes home for christmas and he's still around and they're like well i was gonna say something quite explicit then but i'm not <laughs> i'm gonna take it back <laughs> and they just you know reconnect that in my head in my head they're all they're all connected i like that and one of the things i generally love about these albums and seeing everyone's reactions is the amount of different interpretations that you can make that's what i love which is so cool because like that it kind of develops your own understanding and like your own interpretations as you hear everyone else's thoughts and it's so cool that everyone has kind of come together to discuss these albums so tis the damn season i really like it because I just do. And I also liked having a little like deep dive and trying to make my own connections there. Willow, I I just thought was cute. I just thought yeah. it was a cute. Song. I just think that the opening of Willow, like just this like boom and it's just in there. It's a good opening yeah. track. I really like it. Mm-hmm. It is for me, like Cardigan probably just pips it a bit, but both of them yeah. are such strong, whimsical, but have a really good beat opening tracks. I just really yeah, like it. Yeah, hundred percent. I feel like the um like there's some like gold dust bits in the music video of Willow and it feels very like Tinkerbell. Mm. Oh, I was um, going to say it feels like it's the invisible string. Oh yeah, it totally could be. <gasps> you are so clever. <laughs> have been a Swifty for a long time. Just um, context for this podcast. I've seen Taylor Swift live six times. Okay. <laughs> Meant to be I've seven. Never. Pandemic stole it from me. Oh, RIP. Um, <laughs> 
but yeah like no that actually does make a lot of sense and probably is true but it looks like the gold dust that comes from Tinkerbell when like she gets shaken oh God, around and I thought because obviously in Cardigan there's the oh, yeah. um like the Christianity ending Peter losing Wendy and I was like oh that's so cute even if it's not even true it just kind of gives off those fairy tale-esque vibes yeah. um and I liked how the music videos were obviously like connected with her yeah. coming out of the piano and everything so that one's just nice whimsical really cool love it Great fun time. fact the guy in Willow in the music video was one of her yeah. dancers on the red tour like way back oh. when full oh, circle how cute that really is that's super cute um next up on my list and this is on your list as well was mm-hmm. the champagne problems so love it was this one is it embodies the storytelling vibes mm-hmm. that i think are just so incredible about both this album and about folklore i just love a song that tells a full story and it does feel like um a piece of folklore like it's it a piece of like art getting, it is literally <laughs> this one's a um, grower not a shower i think <laughs> it grew um, on me <laughs> Yeah, I think when you take time to listen to all the lyrics and, like, you have to do a, do a few listens to really, like, get to know it, then you really appreciate the story and then the whole song just shines once you kind of understand everything that's going on. Um, and on TikTok, there's been a lot of people going mad about, you know, this album, about Taylor Swift in general, and I saw the most incredible TikTok that blew my mind, which was a section of Champagne Problems put to a scene of the 2019 Little Women movie adaptation. Basically, the quote was, sometimes you just don't know the answer till someone's on their knees and asks you. And it was obviously Joe and Laurie and this relationship that seems like it should work, it looks perfect, but it just isn't for one of the two parties involved and there's no real reason. And she didn't even fully know and never would have wanted to let him go. But she also couldn't commit herself to him and I just loved that comparison it was amazing especially with the like new Little Women movie and just seeing that together I'm just like oh and then it also talked about how I can't remember the exact quote for this one but there was a bit with like about how you'll find the right girl and she'll patch up your tapestry and it then showed Laurie and Amy and Amy is my favorite of the March sisters um so I just loved it. It's it isn't it isn't controversial. Amy is she deserves better. She deserves better. But anyway, that's a story for another time. <laughs> um, but yeah, I loved that comparison. I loved the story. And um, the next one on my list was Evermore, which I knew I was gonna like because I loved the combination of Taylor Swift and Bon Iver in Exile, and I like Bon Iver in general. But this one was really interesting, and I think a lot of people were taken um, kind of by surprise by this one because the Bon Iver voice in Exile is completely different to like classic Bon Iver. Um, and then in this one, it is classic Bon Iver, and it's like suddenly goes from being a very like slow, melancholy song to a lot more fast paced and high pitched, and then it kind of like mellows out again. And it was a really interesting blend of musical styles that I really liked. And then finally, Nobody No Crime. This is a banger, to be fair. It's just so good. It was so fun. It was like super country in its style. Again, it's a story. It's about, you know, adultery, murder, murder murder again. That was like, uh, I'm surprised it's taken Taylor this song to write this song. I'm surprised it's taken Taylor this long to write a song about actually murdering a man. (laughs) (laughs) I know. She's held back until now, but 2020 was obviously the year to push her over the edge. Um, But no, it was just such an interesting story it was fun even though it was about a dark topic it was told in like a fun way um and it was just a cool song i loved the vibe loved the style yeah and loved i just love that it, it's a collaboration it. with time i absolutely yes. love time i don't know if i pronounced that right it could be him yeah Heim, i think Heim. you are Heim. Heim. um so now to for me to discuss the ones that we didn't discuss then my fifth place was obviously happiness and i feel like with a lot of taylor's songs taylor's slower songs they can often be overlooked unless you directly relate to them, if that makes sense. So, like, happiness mm-hmm. might not have struck a chord with you um, for, like, your experiences. But for me, like, woo, woo. Well, yeah, I kind of, I related to it in the sense of, like, I think, although that it's easy to think about in terms of romance, I think you can also think about it in terms of, like... That's true. A lot of things, like, friendships and stuff, with it being, like, ha- happiness was there because of you, and then happiness could be there after you. And it's, like... 
it kind of again chats and reacts highly recommend this youtube channel because they explain things in so much more depth than i do but it was kind of like the part of um grieving and moving on from a relationship where you have kind of like you're out of the like raw pain of it and then you can look back and think like okay actually even though something bad happened it wasn't all bad but also I don't rely on that thing to be my only source of happiness and I can still be happy without it and so I did really like that yeah, I think it's such a deep song. Like, I've got my phone up here with the description. You need to read the little, like, album notes that she did along with it. And it says, um, she's describing what the songs are about. And one of them says, the realisation that maybe the only path to healing is to wish happiness on the one who took it away from you. And I feel yeah. like that really sums this song up. And I think it's an important lesson whenever you lose anything. And like you say, whether that be a friendship, whether it be a romantic relationship, there's real raw emotion and anger at the beginning but Mm -hmm. as you process it and as time goes on you reflect on it and you realize that there were moments that you can take away from it that the ending of that experience doesn't it doesn't ruin that was so uneloquent um (laughs) (laughs) but you know what i mean like you look back on something in the beginning and you're like i hate everything that that person did what a waste of my time and then six months later you're like actually you know like i'll remember that forever it was a good time and it's made me who i am and so i just love that i think it's a really Mm -hmm. I just think it's a really lovely song. Then obviously we've already is. discussed Willow. And then third, did we discuss Gold Rush? Because I just think Gold Rush is such a bop. Like, <laughs> it, that, the like the three opening songs, so you've got Willow, then Champagne Problems, then Gold Rush. It's just like a trio mm-hmm. of like beauty. It is a really, really good trio. Like, they all do have that, it's like a similar vibe, I yeah, think. I Even I though agree. they're each very different. But yeah, they do kind of connect, I think. Yeah, so I don't really have a lot to say about that one. I just really think it's... Obviously, I've already described that I think there's a four-song connection in my mind. So that one ties into that really well. Then, obviously, second, we've got Champagne Problems, which you've already discussed, is just a piece of art. And then, number one, long story short, as just as soon as I heard this one, like, I was, like, dancing in my bed when I listened to this, and I've been dancing (laughs) to it ever since. I just think it's... uh, I just think it's got a really good chorus, and it makes me want to get up and dance. Yeah, I I definitely agree. I think the reason that this one wasn't on my top five wasn't because it's not a great song. It's just because of what I said earlier, where I I kind of gravitate more towards like slow, chilled out songs, whereas this one is more of a bop. But if I'm looking for like a high energy, more of like a fun song, then I definitely turn to this one because it is really good. Also, the lyrical couplet of long story short, it was a bad time. Long story short, I survived. It's so 2020. (laughs) Like it was a bad time, but we did survive. So (laughs) it has very 2020 vibes. But I think uh, my favorite thing about these two albums coming out has been that it feels like we're truly out of that era where it was cool to dislike Taylor Swift. I hated that era of time, like where where disliking disliking Taylor's music was like a personality trait for people. Like I just love that people are like appreciating. And even if they don't like the music, like it's just out of that almost like bullying period of time like I just appreciate that people are just appreciating do you know if we're just part of like the right circles of the internet but like literally everyone who is on book youtube and book instagram and all of those kind of bookish places seems to be a taylor swift stan which i love yeah and i've, I've received so many messages from people like when folklore came out i got i think i got about 10 messages <laughs> from people that were like i know i used to say i hated taylor swift but this album's good i was like see i told you I told you. Uh, it just <laughs> feels sure like can. it's a, been a pandemic saviour. And I'm just so thankful 100%. to her for these albums. Were there any skips for you? Okay, this is a really good question. And there were two. <gasps> two? One is like a definite skip. And one is less of a skip and more just of a, I don't really care about this song. I didn't like, actively dislike it. I just didn't like love okay. it either. It was just kind of like a nothing song for me. Okay. Um, so the first one, the one that I really didn't like was Closure because okay, it hurts it like I was like what uh what's happening the noises what's happening at the beginning um and then it kind of like mellows into a normal song but just that beginning bit it just like it's a chaotic a jarring. song I feel like it yeah. represents the chaos of closure like I feel like maybe that was purposeful yeah uh, well I mean definitely nothing on this album was not purposeful <laughs> it's all there for a reason but it just like 
was a bit jarring compared to like the whimsy and like fairy tale vibe of a lot of the other songs and then there's that and you're like bloody hell what's yeah. going on and so that one was like probably the one I can envision myself skipping the most because like startle me when I'm driving or something I'll be like nope not not right now <laughs> and and then the next one was one that I'm still going to give a few more tries but just you know first few listens mm. hasn't really vibed that much with me and that was Dorothea <gasps> oh I love Dorothea that one hurt <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't once you said that that was part of your like four song sort of yeah. narrative that you'd created I was like oh she's gonna be upset about maybe this, once but... you now know that that's my narrative that yeah you might appreciate it more exactly like I said those songs on um folklore that I didn't like immediately love at the beginning and then have yeah. listened to so many times and now I do and so I'm definitely not ruling any of these songs out but those are just like the two right now that just weren't as good for me what about you I think the two that I don't I don't dislike any of the songs but the two that like haven't grabbed me as much I haven't had the bonding time with them yet are <laughs> Pony Island and oh yeah I just I don't like it doesn't stick in my mind and then also I just can't vibe with Cowboy Like Me it's just oh, no, I did yeah. quite like Cowboy Like Me but again it's like it hasn't fully stuck in my mind yet and I think this is still a very much a baby album like we yeah. still have only we've not even had it for a week yet so like come this time next month we'll probably have completely different thoughts on loads of these songs because we yeah. will have like had the bonding time but the right now time. those yeah. are the immediate thoughts <laughs> yeah so there are thoughts our deep dive into evermore please let us know what you thought because we'd love well we'll definitely love to chat yeah. about evermore i think absolutely I've, i could chat about this forever so literally yeah, there are thoughts on evermore i hope you enjoyed them i got a couple of messages saying i really hope you both discuss this on the podcast <laughs> Well, they have gotten their wishes. Merry Christmas, guys. <laughs> and now on to the Agony Ant column. Okay, so jumping into what I think is usually our favourite part of the podcast, although given that the other part of the podcast we just had was about Taylor Swift and then prior to that we were talking about books... I actually don't know if this is going to be the best part this week because it's been a pretty good episode all around, but either way... <laughs> if we do say so ourselves. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, I should be more modest, but you know. <laughs> oh well. Jumping into Agony Ant section. For this first one, I actually haven't told you about this yet, okay. but... I- I got an, a message on Instagram from someone who I know is in your support bubble. Um, really? And the message was along the lines of... You were supposed to be watching a show with someone, uh, and then you <laughs> apparently, <laughs> apparently you cancelled some plans, and then they ended up watching the show without you, and now they just don't know how to make it up to a friend. So I guess more generally speaking, this is what to do when you've done something bad as a friend, and now you want to make up with them. Oh my god, that's so funny. Did he, did he message you on Instagram? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. So context for this. When I, in lockdown 2.0, which we are now out of, and before I moved house, I was on my own, so I had a support bubble. And we watched The Undoing. I think I mentioned it in last week's. Uh, and The yeah. Undoing was like a crime thriller drama with Hugh Grant and Nicole Kidman. And it oh, was yeah, the best that. thing yeah. I think I've ever watched. And there was it was six parts. We watched all five parts together. And the sixth part was going to be where you found out who was the murderer. And we were so excited <laughs> to watch it together. Like, And it came out on the Monday and we were meant to see each other on the Monday and I couldn't see him so I cancelled and I was like but we will see each other next week and so I didn't watch it the entire time I literally muted the words on social media so I wouldn't see anything and he was being really weird with me that next week and I thought he was (laughs) mad at me because I'd cancelled the plans and then when I went over to his house to watch the final episode we were in the middle of a Sainsbury's local and he dropped it on me that he'd watched it without me and we had such a (gasps) kick off that the woman at the till asked of like what had happened (laughs) I've never felt so betrayed. Uh, so that's funny that he's asked that, but my advice uh, in this situation would be come clean a week previous. <laughs> so you could have actually watched the show yeah. and you didn't have to hide it from your social medias. As time went on, the lie got worse. <laughs> Yeah, it's always best if you've done something that you shouldn't do. Generally speaking, you should just come clean as soon as possible because it's very rare that keeping something a secret that is a lie 
is ever going to work in your favour. And the longer you leave it, the worse you look. So you might as well just come clean. Especially when the lie needs to come out. Like, it's going to come out. Like, if it's a little white lie that, like, time will pass and so will it, then yes. But if it's going to be, like, watching a TV series and you're going to have to act and pretend you haven't watched it and you know you can't do that, you might as well come clean. (laughs) What a niche question. (laughs) It is super specific. (laughs) You must have been like, what the heck when you received that? I was like, I'm sure I recognise this person's name. And I was like, oh yeah, I do. It is that same person. (laughs) Yeah. So moral of the story on that one is just come clean. People won't mind, but if you wait a week, they will. And you'll have a domestic in Sainsbury's (laughs) local is the uh, moral of that story. (laughs) So moving on to the second question. We got a question saying, do you have any advice for dealing with an alternate Christmas dynamic? And that is quite vague, but what we've taken this question to, what what we've interpreted it, interpreted it that's a hard word to say (laughs) what we've interpreted it it as is that uh dealing with the fact that especially in a pandemic you might not be with the same people and your situation that you normally have at christmas might not be the same or it could be that you you're having your first christmas where someone isn't there that usually would be whether that be um, a romantic partner or someone that you've lost in your family i think christmas can be a time where it makes it more evident that your situation has changed in life. And so that can be hard to deal with. And I think my advice for this one, I think I think the problem with Christmas, and I've thought this for a few years now, is that our Christmas experiences are tied very much into nostalgia. So when you mm. think about Christmas, you don't think about making new memories. You think about the memories that you have loved in the past like me and my sister get yeah me and my sister wake up at 3am open our stockings go back to sleep everyone's there around the christmas dinner table and i think there's too much pressure for every christmas to replicate the nostalgia and i think once you free yourself of that nostalgia and realize that at the end of the day it is just a day and it is what you make it and that new experiences can be fun too. I think you do relieve yourself of that pressure. For me, this Christmas is gonna be very different. And I think you do just have to release yourself from that nostalgia and think, this is a chance to make new memories that I'm gonna treasure and they don't have to be exactly the same as the ones that have come before it. That's so true. And now that you've like put it into words, that like is so accurate because each Christmas you kind of like, especially because Christmas is something where I think it's connected to your childhood and like yeah. that's where like the magic of Christmas comes from. And each year there is like that pressure to live up to your expectations 100%. of what has happened before. Now I am a child of divorced parents. Um, so as a child, me and my brother would alternate like whose house we would have Christmas day at. Um, like to be like perfectly clear my parents are like very very good friends like they get on really well they just didn't stay together in a relationship so I didn't have like a difficult experience as a child of divorced parents I'm not like fishing for sympathy I'm saying that I um have an experience of like kind of having that like inconsistency with Christmas like where I wouldn't always be in the same place we also did like go on holiday to centre parks for Christmas or we'd spend one Christmas with one set of grandparents and another one with like another set of grandparents parents so like I am generally quite used to like not doing the exact same thing every Christmas and so actually it's the little things rather than the larger things I think that make up Christmas and that's something that I think regardless of who you're with or what your Christmas looks like you can still hold on to so yeah. that is like doing stockings or having a particular meal or watching a certain film on a certain day or playing a particular game and stuff like there is ways around it even if you can't be with everyone you can kind of use technology to your advantage and still share those experiences so if say you and your family love to watch the Gavin and Stacey Christmas special every Christmas Eve then (laughs) even if you're not all together put it on at the same time get in like the family group chat and like chat about it or all agree to make hot chocolates at the same time and have like a zoom catch up or something like that so it's like yes things might be different and obviously this is more kind of contextualized to the pandemic and separation rather than the experience of loss which is something that I don't have a huge amount of experience with so I don't necessarily want to advise on but there are ways around it it might not be the most ideal Christmas but I think Christmas is one of those things where it is kind of what you make of it and you can kind of hone in on those little experiences on trying to spend quality time with people that you love in any way that you can and just kind of appreciate that it might be different but actually maybe in like five years time 
it's going to be a really funny story to be like, gosh, remember that Christmas where we weren't actually allowed <laughs> to see each other legally? Um, yeah. <laughs> because it's, you know, right now it's a painful topic and it is difficult. But in the future, this is something that's going to be interesting and sort of something to look back on. And there might be, you know, like traditions and new things that come out of this year that you wouldn't that's have so done true. before that might the make their way into your like Christmas roster every single year. So like, you know. Yeah appreciate it for what it is it might be different but that doesn't mean that it can't still be special and if you don't have the best time just know that although Christmas is a special day it's also just another day day. yeah and you know you can see people have a special time any time that you want and so although it might not be able to happen right now you can still get together with those people and have a day to celebrate how much you care about each other when that's kind of allowed again and when the pandemic allows it so yes it's difficult but you can still have fun and just enjoy Christmas as much as you can i love that outside of the pandemic i think uh with every other area of life we have to accept that things always changing and they're consistently changing and i feel like christmas is this one static day where people don't accept that things change or struggle to accept that things change and i think just remembering that things do change and that's okay (laughs) and that new memories can be made is important and i can speak about it in terms of loss uh because this christmas will as i've said look different for me than last christmas and i think it's important to really remember and hold on to the memories that you have of christmas past but just remember that i don't it's hard to it's hard to put into words as i feel like grief has been quite a prominent topic throughout this episode but i think it's important to remember that I mean, I believe that people are always around and people are always there, but it's okay to make new memories. It is not, you are not getting rid of the old memories. You are not getting rid of Christmas past and that nostalgia. You are just making new memories, making the best of it. And that is what people that aren't there anymore would want you to do. I think that's the most important thing to remember. And you can, although it can be like kind of tainted with a little bit of sadness, you can turn back to those old memories and find joy in them just in the simple fact that they happened and that you had the opportunity to create those great memories. And so that's something if you're sort of struggling with loss, it is obviously really, really sad. But the reason that you're struggling with it is because you once had a really amazing yeah, person. Yeah, and so you have those you know, amazing memories. And I think back on that is nice. <laughs> memories can also be passed down. For example, one tradition that we had in my family was a Christmas bar, where there would be like specific cocktails that would be really fun for that year, and a person in my life would make that, those. And now we've passed it down to someone else, and my sister has been given the role of bartender. And it's like you can still have those <laughs> memories but you can pass them down and that's something really special as well. So I think even if your Christmas looks different for a variety of reasons, whether that's loss, whether that's a breakup, whether that's pandemic, there is still so much that you can make of the day and also remember that it is just a day. Totally. And I think that wraps up that question. Yes, agreed, definitely. It's such a broad one, but I hope we've given you a little bit of wisdom and some Christmas spirit just to uh, inject into your life. But I think that will uh, bring this episode to an end. What a varied episode it has been, but I really hope that you've enjoyed hearing us talk about books, about the Queen Taylor Swift, and also (laughs) about all kinds of other things in our Agony Ant section. As always, you can find us on social media. If you have any topics you'd like us to discuss, please do let us know over on Instagram or on YouTube. And until next time, thank you so much for listening. Thank you. See you next week. Or hear you next week. I actually do not hear you, so I hope you'll be around next week. (laughs) Bye. Bye.